A Wish in the Dark by Christina Soontorn Vaught. Chapter 11. Pong spent most of his time inside the temple grounds, but when he turned 13, Father Cham began taking him along more often on his visits to the village and the surrounding countryside. The old monk's walking stick clacked in time to his steps as he called to the people who came out to greet them. Ah, hello, Mrs. Tree Swan. You look very happy today. I hope this means your brother is doing better. Good day to see you, Mr. Prossert. I heard your son is graduating this year. How time flies. As they passed on through the village square, meeting and chatting with the villagers, Pong's senses were dialed all the way up. Tanabury was a small, ordinary village, and it was the ordinary things that he liked to watch the most. People hanging their wash out to dry, sweeping porches, chatting with their neighbors, cooking breakfast. Walking beside Father Cham, surrounded by this everyday life, made Pong feel safe. It made him forget about his tattoo and all those things he'd done wrong. He was just a boy in a village following his teacher. They turned onto the mountain road that led down the other side of the mountain. You said we were going to the school today, said Pong, slowing his steps to match the old man's strides. Are you giving a talk to the students? Not today. Today we have a special errand, said Father Cham. There is a baby we need to see about. A baby? Father Cham nodded and clucked his tongue. Yes, an orphan, poor thing. One of our farmers found her wrapped in blankets near the crossroads roads at the base of the mountain. Who'd be so heartless to leave their baby alone on the road? Father Cham didn't answer. He tilted his head down and appeared to be thinking very hard about the gravel at his feet. Teacher, not even you could excuse such a thing as leaving a baby alone to die by the side of the road, said Pong. I can't imagine anything worse. Father Cham scratched his nose with the pad of his finger. They walked in silence for a while. Pong knew what this meant. When Father Cham didn't want to talk, nothing in the world could get him to say a word. This is what he did when he wanted his students to do the talking. Finally, Pong sighed and said, well, maybe the parents were starving or something. Ah, said Father Cham, nodding as if Pong were the one who thought this through and not the other way around. You make a very good point. There are starving and desperate people in this world, aren't there? Pong looked down the road as they walked, and maybe they had other children, children they couldn't feed. Can you imagine the heartache of having to choose which of your children you are able to keep alive, said Father Cham sadly. And I guess, said Pong, thinking as he talked, they knew that someone from our village would find the baby and take it in. Father Cham nodded. They did leave her in the morning when the farmers drive their rice carts down the road, and our village does have a reputation in this area for taking in orphans. It does? Oh, yes, a long reputation, said Father Cham, looking up into the trees with a faraway gaze. In the years after the great fire in Chitana, things were very bad. Food was scarce and many people died. Our fishermen began finding baskets floating down the river with babies inside. The little notes tucked in with them were heartbreaking. The parents who sent them away had nothing to feed them. Instead of watching them starve, they sent them on and hoped that someone would find them. For a little while, our fishermen caught more babies than fish. Father Cham stopped in the road, leaning heavily on his walking stick. He pretended to inspect the bottom of his staff while he caught his breath. Pong offered his arm to help him stand up again. So I sent word out all over the province that our village would care for any children from Chitana or anywhere else, no matter what the circumstances, said the monk. 
We also spread the word to leave them at the crossroads, not send them down the river. Too many crocodiles for that. Did people listen to you? Oh, we took in dozens and dozens of babies. The old man smiled and pointed down the road. That's why we ended up building the school, to hold all those babies. After a little while, he patted Pong's shoulder and smiled widely. Thank you, my boy. For what? For teaching me that desperate people deserve our compassion, not our judgment. Pong started to protest that he certainly hadn't taught his teacher that lesson, but the old man was off and walking down the road again. The great fire was so long ago, said Pong, but the babies are still showing up here? Father Tim turned and gave him a surprised look as if Pong had questioned that objects fall down when you drop them. Of course they're still showing up, said the monk, old monk sadly. The people are still desperate. They rounded the bend in the road and the low plaster building that made up the Tanabury village school came into view. Most villages had craft schools where boys and girls learned how to weave cloth, carve wood, and master other skills that would land them steady work when they grew up. Father Cham had insisted that Tanbury School also teach literature and mathematics. It was a much better education than Pong had gotten at the prison and even rivaled some of the private schools in Chatana. Ah, oh, Father Cham, you've come! said the headmistress, bowing when she saw they had come through the gate. It is an honor to have you here, as always. I got your message at the temple, said Father Cham. We would have gotten here sooner, but my friend is a slow walker. He winked at Pong. Where is she? The headmistress smiled. She is right in my office, right this way. Pong followed behind them as they passed the classrooms. He glanced inside at the, children, as the, at the children bent over their workbooks. He would never join them. It was too big a risk that his tattoo would be seen, but he liked watching them from a distance. He always searched the boys, expecting to find Som Kit's face grinning back at him, even though he knew it was impossible. They entered the headmistress's office, and Father Cham leaned on his staff as he lowered to the floor in front of a woven laundry basket. Oh my goodness, look at you, the old man cooed in a high voice that Pong had never heard him use before. What a sweet little melon, cooed. Jacka Jackie, he squealed as he tickled the baby's foot. She gurgled happily. Pong and the headmistress both laughed to see the old man so natural with the baby. Poor thing. She was very dirty when they brought her in, said the headmistress. We had to give her a bath right away. Well, she looks clean as anything now, ma'am, said Father Cham with a smile. Not fat enough, but we will change that. Yes, we will. A look of worry rippled over his smiling face. Have you found someone who can take her? Yes, you'll be happy to know that a farmer in the next village wants to adopt her. He and his wife haven't been able to have children. Ah, the Srinivakul family. Yes, I know them. She will be happy there. Well, let's see. What do I have for this special girl? Oh, yes. The most vulnerable among us always deserve the greatest blessings. Don't you agree? Father Cham reached into his pouch. He kept tied it aside and pulled out a long woven cord. This one was far more special than any bracelet Pong had seen the old man use before. It was braided from red and gold threads, and it was quite thick. The old monk leaned over the basket and looped, around, looped the braid around the baby's wrist. As he began to tie it, he recited the prayers and blessings that Pong had heard him say a hundred times at the temple, but then he ad ended with another blessing different from the ones he usually gave. May you walk in peace wherever you are in the world. The baby who had been fidgeting and kicking just a moment before became very still and very calm. 
She looked into Father Cham's wrinkled face with her shining black eyes. Outside, children's voices rang out over the soccer field. The headmistress turned her face away from the basket to see what was going on outside the window. Children, she called, what have I told you about wrestling? Pong started to follow her gaze when he noticed something odd out of the corner of his eye. A wavy glimmer of light rippled on the ceiling. He looked up at the spot where the golden light danced and he tracked the shimmer back to Father Cham in the basket. Pong gasped. A light as bright as sunbeams shone out from the place where Father Cham's fingers tied the bracelet on the baby. The headmistress turned at the sound of Pong's gasp. What's wrong? she asked. He looked at her, then back at the old man. The strange shimmer was gone. What? whispered Pong. Bright spots danced in front of his eyes as if he had stared at the sun too long. The baby gummed her slobbery mouth on her new bracelet. Pong stood bewildered. He looked at the headmistress. She blinked a few times, but didn't seem to have noticed anything out of the ordinary. Father Cham leaned against his walking stick with a groan. He faltered and nearly slumped to the floor. Pong rushed over to help him. Are you all right, Father Cham? asked the headmistress with concern. I'm fine, he answered with a wide smile, just an old man's old bones. He patted the baby's head. She's going to make her new family very happy. Thank you for letting us meet her. We should get back to the temple now, shouldn't we, Pong? He leaned heavily on Pong's arm. My groundskeeper has an errand to run back in the village, said the headmistress. I'll have him walk with you. She gave Pong a look that said the groundskeeper Keeper was only going to make sure that Father Cham didn't fall again. But the old man waved his hand at her. Don't trouble him on my account. My friend here can barely keep up with me as it is. He tapped Pong's leg with his walking stick. Before they bid goodbye to the school, the headmistress motioned Pong aside and whispered, You should keep a good eye on him. He's not young like he used to be. He tries to fool everyone that he's not getting old, but I notice these things. I'm more observant than the average person. When they were back on the road, Pong cleared his throat and said, Father Cham, about that? Not yet, Pong, said Father Cham, puffing with each step. Pong fell quiet, and the two of them walked on in silence until they were well out of sight of the school. Please, Father, said Pong, unable to keep the words from bursting out any longer. Back at the school, with the baby. I thought I saw something. Father Cham tilted his head very slightly. Oh, what did you see? I don't know exactly, said Pong, still a little dazed. I thought I saw a light, a really bright one. It didn't last very long, and when I looked closer, it was gone. Father Cham stopped and tugged Pong's arm to halt his steps. You saw that? Pong nodded. Father Cham searched Pong's face for a long moment before smiling again. The other monks say you have a gift for noticing which trees will bear fruits first. I have a feeling they're mistaken about what your gift is for. Before Pong could ask what he meant or what had actually happened in the schoolroom, they heard the commotion of a large group of people. They had now reached the edge of the village where almost half the town had gathered in the street around a horse-drawn coach. Pong stared. No one in their village could afford a horse. It seems we have a visitor, said Father Cham, pointing ahead with his staff. And a very fancy one at that. The carriage door swung open and out stepped a man with an official government uniform, followed by a woman wearing a gold fleck dress. A girl with chopped short hair and a sharp black gaze 
climbed out after them. She wore a spire-fighting uniform. Pong's heart shrank to the, si shrank to the size of a peppercorn. Warden Sivapan and his family had arrived on the mountain. <laughs>